We have Selena Zito on the uh, phone with us. She is a, uh, a reporter and one of the best listeners, I think, in the country. She actually is the one who called the last election really spot on, spot on. And I think she's doing it again. Selena, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Nice to talk to you, Glenn. Good to talk to you. I know your book is, is it out in paperback yet? Yeah, it just okay. came out in paperback this week with an uh, with an update, uh, an afterword that explains what happened in 2018, why that matters, uh, what it tells us, and what we should continue to look for uh, for 2020. Gives okay, you so, an understanding. Yeah. So yeah, I'm reading I'm reading some of the stuff that you have written recently and yesterday you you have the the new phase of the great revolt. Uh, and as I'm as I'm reading it last night, I'm gathering that what people did in the uh, the congressional and state elections here recently, we should not necessarily take that to mean anything for the presidential election. And that's absolutely right. Let's take uh, the Kentucky governor's race for for a moment. Uh, If anybody understood Kentucky or ever went there in the national press, they wouldn't be writing, oh, it's all over because the Republican Kentucky governor lost. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Kentucky. Uh, Matt Bevin was not very popular. The point of view of him by the people who live there is that he was a carpetbagger. You know, he didn't understand Kentucky culture. And he he made a lot of series of um, successive um, out-of-touch decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about about his state. And, and, and governor's races are about being connected to the people. And, and he did not demonstrate that he was. And if you look down ballot, Republicans not only won hugely, like in the Secretary of State race uh, or the uh, Attorney General race, but also they gained seats in the, um, in the Senate and in the House. So I think that that saying, oh, this means you know, Republicans don't want Trump. No, it meant that Kentucky voters were unsatisfied with Matt Bevin. All right. So I'm right. we're we're watching the impeachment today, and uh, I think it's just hardening people's positions. There's there's yeah. nothing there's nothing new here as we're watching. There's no smoking gun. People who are against Donald Trump are so against him, they'll do anything to get him out. Uh, for those who are really even fence sitters on Donald Trump, I think they look at this and say, this is not, this doesn't even make sense to me. And I think yeah. it, it hardens people on which way they were leaning. It's, it's absolutely correct. And to tell you what it reminds me of, do you remember when Scott Walker won uh, the governor's race uh, yes. in 2010, and then there was a recall election uh, because, you know, the people who lost were unhappy. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's what it was. And he came back and won that with higher percentage because people who didn't even vote for him thought, you know what, this is bogus. This is sore loserism, and I'm going to vote for him because I think the behavior of the Democrats is wrong. And you're, I'm finding a lot of that sentiment among, um, among Trump skeptics who don't particularly care for his comportment, which, by the way, is 
probably 70% of Trump voters. They don't care for his comportment. They like the results. They also understand that you need to be a mean SOB to, to sort of break up the swamp's behavior and the establishment behavior on both sides to make effective change. I, I will tell you, Selena, I said this. I mean, we talked right after. I said this right at the beginning. If, if you want to be effective and actually go against Donald Trump, you can't just throw everything at him. You, they started from the beginning and it drove, it drove people. I mean, when I, when I put the MAGA hat on, I don't know, about a year or two ago, mine was not a, a full-throated endorsement of Donald Trump because I like many of his policies. For instance, side note, Your Honor, just what he did with Israel just yesterday. Um, I like right. many of his policies, but he is so hard to defend because, his, because of the way he just is. But you know what? The way they're taking him on in Congress, through the State Department, and in the media, God bless him. Just keep going, Donald. Just keep yeah. going. You're, it's a sentiment shared by by people. And here's here's what really always gets under my skin, Glenn, is that the people in my profession don't understand that sentiment. And you know why? Because they live in the super zip codes of this country, um, and, and they don't know anyone who thinks or looks or acts uh, the way that people do outside of those super zip codes. They control the media. They control entertainment. They control sports. They control corporations. And this this populist coalition has been building for over 12 years. Donald Trump didn't cause it. He is the result of it. Mm -hmm. And the important thing about the Great Revolt is this continues long after 2020. Mm -hmm. This coalition is not going away for at least a generation. What I would tell people to do is everyone in, in my profession says, oh, it's all up to the suburbs. That's right. But not all suburbs are created equal. Suburban voter in Erie County, Pennsylvania, or Kenosha, Wisconsin, or Baldwin, uh, Michigan, or Macomb County, Michigan, um, does not look, act, or behave the same way a suburban voter in Philadelphia or Northern Virginia behaves and votes. So Those are the voters who are going to make a difference. They have the exact same education that their cousins have, in Northern Virginia, in Philadelphia, but they live among a variety of different um, mm -hmm. viewpoints. And they are connected and rooted to community where voters in, in, in like Northern Virginia are very transient. They aren't rooted to their community. Community doesn't mean the same thing. And voting for Donald Trump is about community and localism. And I have to tell you, I and, and, and I would love to hear you respond to this, Selena. Uh, as I travel around, I just have this sense that there's a lot of people that would have voted for another candidate that wasn't corrupt and wasn't a hardcore socialist and or even hanging around all the socialists. I think there's a lot of people who are Democrats, who are blue collar, et cetera, et cetera, who may not like Donald Trump, but will vote for him because they feel like. The Democratic Party has left the building and they have left the insane socialists in charge. 
Yes, that's absolutely true. All you have to do is keep your eye on Western Pennsylvania throughout this whole process. Uh, Most of the candidates on the Democratic side that are running said they believe in a ban on fracking on day one. Well, let me tell you, Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, also Texas, Colorado, Kansas, North Dakota, these are areas that are thriving because of the, the, the shale industry. Uh, lives and communities are being changed because they are now prosperous again. And, and, and so to ban it is to take, how are you going to sort of, it's a binary choice, right? I've got Trump, who I like his policies, don't like his personality. i got the Democrats. Oh, they want to take my job away on the day they're sworn in. I think I'll go with the guy with the weird Twitter account because mm-hmm. at least he has my back. Mm-hmm. And a Democrat cannot win the White House without winning Pennsylvania. A Republican can. And a Democrat cannot win Pennsylvania without winning Western Pennsylvania. So if, that, if that's why you, you have to keep an eye on those areas, because that's where th- th- those sentiments will be reflected anytime someone visits there. And they will understand why Trump, if it was held tomorrow, he would win the election. And that's hard for people who live out in live in either the East Coast or the West Coast um, to to understand because they don't know anybody else in the middle. Remember this. This is in the Great Revolt. The 34 percent of Trump voters in 2016, which right now seems like the Aussie and Harriet hour era because it seems nicer than it was today. Yeah. 34 um, percent of Trump voters do not tell a family member or friend that they were voting for him. Thirty-four percent. That was in 2016. I mean, I can't even. My mind just can't even wrap around how people would, uh, how they're going to approach it now, given the intensity of the cancel culture. You know, I mean, you, you say you're going to vote for Trump, you have to worry about losing your job, or affecting the people that work for you, or affecting your family, or affecting your social status. How is how is the impeachment affecting? All of this. You had it absolutely right. If you love Trump and on Election Day 2016, you're still um, optimistic about the future. But what about those what about those what about those swing people, the the people that are, you know, they they don't necessarily like that they are voting for a Republican, let alone Donald Trump. What about those people Uh, who voted for him last time? Has this made any impact on them? None. Zero. I have a story coming out about that in the New York Post on on Sunday. I went back to the people in the book, people that were skeptical, people that had a hard time, um, you know, and people who supported him outright um, but had reservations. Uh, that not, it's Groundhog Day. Nothing has changed. Their support for him has only gotten stronger be- because they look at this and say, you know, they've been trying to do impeach him since day one. They just finally found something they think can make stick, but but. It, they, they, and they're watching this intensely. Like there's, there's no there there. I mean, in their minds, they think th- this is not an impeachable offense. This is something that someone does who is not part of the Washington system, and this is how they behave. This is how Trump always behaves. What about those Democrats? What about those Democrats who vote for Democrats, but they are afraid of the socialist movement of the Democrat? Uh, will they just sit it out or will they vote for the socialist Democrat or a Democrat? No, they won't vote for the socialist Democrat. 
they'll either sit it out or they'll hold their nose and vote for Trump. Uh, that's why I keep my eye on Minnesota as well. Um, that's a state he only lost by 45,000 votes. And I just spent some time there. And you see the, the swing towards him mm. in, in that state. And that broadens his coalition. Uh, that doesn't add to shrinking his coalition. Mm. So um, I've heard talk from some people that they believe that this could be a Reagan-Mondale election. I don't think it would be that strong. But do you think there is a chance that it's a it's not anything like we're expecting? If the Democrats go too crazy on this impeachment, which have already shown that they have no problem doing, and they pick someone very far left, such as Elizabeth Warren or Pete Buttigieg, uh, then, yeah, you would see a landslide election. Absolutely. Mm. All right. With no doubt in my mind. Selena, thank you so much. The name of the book is uh, The Great Revolt. Um, I'm anxious to see your next article and uh, and get the update uh, to your book. Selena is the one who really listened to people um, and was the one who finally really just listening to her explained it to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I get it. It's called The Great Revolt um, by her and Brad Todd, who uh, who also is instrumental in, in putting this together. It's out in paperback now. Selena, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. God bless. All right. We have, uh, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I seem to recall, Stu, don't you, that when you have hearings like this, don't you have the one side ask a question, then the other side ask a question, then the other side ask a question. It's an interesting approach. Yeah, they've decided to do this a little differently. They uh, they seem to be asking all of their questions, and then they break for afternoon uh, when everybody is gone, <laughs> and uh, then they then they let you ask your questions in the afternoon. So you don't really get any of the other side at the same time, which is I've not seen before and is so slanted. By the way, they have five people to, testi- uh, to testify. Three of them are the ones that the Republicans wanted. That's why you have two this morning and then later this afternoon and into the evening when no one is watching is when the Democrats are going to allow the Republicans to have their people testify. I mean, look, they control the process. You know, it's I, incredible. I, I mean, it's the way it's set up. It's in the Constitution that way. They can kind of do it however they want. However, if they actually wanted to convince the American people that this was going on and they believed in their case, wouldn't they try to be more fair? Yes. So I don't know, Stu, who who are the who are the Democrats going to have to run? I mean, it, it must be Joe Biden. I mean, this doesn't seem to be affecting him yet, but if the president does go and he's not going to testify now with these hearings, but if they take this up in the Senate and they actually have a real trial where you can call the whistleblower, et cetera, et cetera, this is going to destroy Joe Biden, just destroy him. And then who are you left with? Well, uh, Mayor Pete is there for you. Uh, Mayor Pete now leading in Iowa, according to the most uh, recent uh, poll there by the Des Moines Register, the, one of the top rated pollsters uh-huh. in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is up by what, eight or ten points there. And Buttigieg, you know, I know uh, Selena mentioned him as a far left candidate, which, of course, I would fully agree with. 
Uh, but he is not positioning himself that way in the primary. He is no. trying to say he is the moderate option. But people are not going to believe it. People are not going to buy that in the general. They just won't believe it in the general. I really don't think so. Well, he's trying to He's trying to give... I mean, remember, this is we were talking about Chick-fil-A today. This is a guy who came out kind of famously and said, yeah, I'm gay, but I still like Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Like, he's trying to position himself there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he's from the Midwest. He's from this region that uh, that Trump won the election in. I mean, he is this is he's not real successful in his little teeny <laughs> town. I, I'm not making I an mean, argument for. Buttigieg, yeah, no, I know. I know means for you to vote for. Him. I know. I'm just I, saying. I described him yesterday, though, as uh, just the latest pair of pumps that the Democrats are trying on. Go shoe shopping with your wife. She'll try on a whole buttload of shoes, Mm -hmm. and uh, she'll like them when she tries them on, and then she'll say, I'm going to try one more pair, and she'll like that, and then you'll end up walking out without buying anything. That's who he is. Just the next set of pumps. You're listening. Welcome to the program. We have an NSC official, uh, Pence aide, testifying in the public hearing today. Uh, and uh, Nunez is now talking to Ms. Williams. So let's listen to his cross-examination here. Until you prepared for this hearing? Until others have been testifying in more detail on those issues. That's correct. You've been following it more closely. Correct. Uh, Did you know that Burisma's American legal representatives met with Ukrainian officials just days after Vice President Biden forced the firing of the country's (laughs) chief prosecutor? Again, sir, I was not working on Ukraine policy during that time. Yeah, so and not, none of these are trick questions. I'm just trying to get through them. I understand. The yeah. Did you know that Brisma lawyers pressured the State Department in February 2016 after the raid and month before the firing of Shokin and that they invoked Hunter Biden's name as a reason to intervene? I was not aware. Did you know that Joe Biden called Ukrainian President Porchenko at least three times in February 2016? after the president and owner of Burisma's home was raided on February 2nd by the state prosecutor's office? Not at the time. Again, I've become aware of that through this proceeding. Thank you, Ms. Williams. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, I'm going to ask you uh, same questions, uh, just to establish some basic facts about your knowledge about Ukraine, Burisma, and the role of the Bidens. Uh, In September 2015, U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Jeffrey Pyatt publicly called for an investigation into Sloshevsky, the president of Burisma. Were you aware of these public statements? I wasn't aware of them at the time. When when did you become aware of them? During the course of the testimony and the uh, depositions after this impeachment inquiry began. Did you know of anti-Trump efforts by various Ukrainian government officials as well as Alexander Chalupa, a DNC consultant? I'm not aware of any, uh, any, um, any of these interference efforts. Did you know about Deputy Assistant Secretary of State's Kent's concerns about potential conflict of interest with Hunter Biden sitting on the board of Burisma? Only, uh, the only thing I'm aware of is, uh, per- pertains to his deposition. Did you know that financial records show a Ukrainian natural gas company, Burisma, routed more than $3 million to the American accounts tied to Hunter Biden? I'm not aware of this, uh, this fact. Until recently. I, I guess I didn't independently look into it. I'm just not aware of, uh, you know, what kind of payments Mr. Biden may have received. This is not something I'm aware of. 
know that Burisma's American legal representatives met with Ukrainian officials just days after Vice President Biden forced the firing of the country's chief prosecutor. I'm not aware of uh, these meetings. Did you know that Burisma lawyers pressured the State Department in February 2016 after the raid and a month before the firing of Shokin that they invoked Hunter Biden's name as a reason to intervene? I'm not aware of any of these facts. Did you know that Joe Biden called Ukrainian President Porchenko at least three times in February 2016 after the president and owner of Burisma's home was raided on February 2nd by the state prosecutor's office? I'm aware of the fact that uh, President Biden, or Vice President Biden, was uh, very engaged on Ukraine and had uh, numerous engagements. That's what I'm aware of. Ms. Williams and Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, as you may or may not know, this committee has spent nearly three years conducting various investigations, starting with the Russia collusion hoax, FISA abuse, Democratic hysteria over the lack of collusion in the Mueller report, and now this impeachment charade. One of the most concerning things regarding all of these investigations is the amount of classified or otherwise sensitive information I read in the press that derive either from this committee or sources in the administration. To be clear, I'm not accusing either one of you of leaking information. However, given that you are the first witnesses who actually have some firsthand knowledge of the President's call by listening in on July 25th, it's imperative to the American public's understanding of the events that we get a quick matters out of the few matters out of the way first. Uh, Ms. Williams, let me just go to you first. Uh, for the purposes of the following questions, I'm only asking about the time period between from July 25th to September 25th. Did you discuss the July 25th phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky or any matters associated with the phone call with any members of the press? No. To be clear, you never discussed these matters with the New York Times, the Washington Post, Politico, CNN, or any other media outlet? No, I did not. Did you ask or encourage any individual to share the substance of the July 25th phone call or any matter associated with the call? with any ma uh, member of the press? I did not. Do you know of any individual who discussed the substance of the July 25th phone call or matter associated with the call with any member of the press? No, I do not. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, the same uh, questions for you. Uh, did you discuss the July 25th phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky or any matter associated with the phone call with any member of the press? I did not. Just to be clear, you did not discuss this with the New York Times, the Washington Post, Politico, CNN, or any other media outlet? I did not. Did you ask or encourage any individual to share the substance of the July 25th phone call or any matter associated with the call with any member of the press? I did not. Do you know of any individual who discussed the substance of the July 25th phone call or any matter associated with the call with any member of the press? We have an NSC press shop, and they field any of these types of questions. I do not engage with the press at all. Let me ask the question again. Do you know of any individual who discussed the substance of the July 25th phone call or any matter associated with the call with any member of the press? We have an NSC press shop. 
whose job is to, uh, to engage on any of these types of questions. I am not aware, but it, it is possible and likely that the press shop would have had, would field these types of questions. Right, but the question After is, I'm sorry. Do you know, do you, the question is, do you know any individual, do you personally know any individual who discussed the substance of the July 25th phone call or any matter associated with the call with any member of the press? Thank you, Ranking Member, for clarifying. I do not. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Williams, did you discuss the July 25th phone call with anyone outside the White House on July 25th or July 26th, and if so, with whom? No, I did not discuss the call with anyone outside or inside the White House. Uh, Ms. Williams, during your time on the NSC, have you ever accessed a colleague's work computer without their prior authorization or approval? I have not. Just to clarify, I'm in the office of the vice president, so not on the NSC. Right, but representing no, I the have vice not. president. No. Thank you for that clarification. By the way, I, I want to just run with this because you will not see any of this stuff on TV tonight. Outside the White House on July 25th or the 26th, and if so, with whom? Yes, I did. Uh, my core function is to coordinate U.S. government policy, interagency policy, and I spoke to two individuals with regards to um, providing a some, some sort of readout of the call. Two individuals that were not in the White House? Not in the White House, cleared U.S. government officials with, a, with a appropriate need to know. And what agencies uh, were these officials with? Department of State. Um, Department of State uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent, who is responsible for the, uh, the, the portfolio, uh, Eastern Europe, including Ukraine, and a individual from the office of uh, uh, an individual in the intelli intelligence community. Uh, what, uh, as you know, the intelligence community has 17 different agencies. Uh, what agency was this individual from? If I could interject here. Uh, we don't want to use these it's proceedings. Our, it's our time, I know, Mr. Chair. But we need to protect the whistleblower. Um, uh, if please stop, I want to make sure that uh, there's no effort to out the whistleblower uh, through the use of these proceedings. Um, if the witness has a good faith belief that this may reveal the identity of the whistleblower, uh, that is not the purpose that we are here for, and I want to advise uh, the witness accordingly. Unbelievable. Mr. Vindman, you testified in your deposition that you did not know the whistleblower. Uh, Ranking member, it's uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, please. Uh, Le Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, oh you testified gosh. in the deposition that you did not know the, who the whistleblower was. Or is. I do not know who the whistleblower is. That is well, how is it possible for you to name these people and then out the whistleblower? Per the advice of my counsel, I've, I've been advised not to answer qu specific questions about members of the intelligence community. This is the, are you aware that this is the intelligence committee that's conducting an impeachment hearing? Of course I am. Wouldn't the appropriate place for you to come to to testify would be the intelligence committee about someone within the intelligence community? Ranking member, per the advice of my counsel and the instructions from the chairman, I've been advised not to provide any specifics on who I've spoken to with inside the intelligence community. What I can offer is that these were properly cleared individuals 
or was a properly cleared individual with a need to know? Well, this is, uh, I mean, you can really, you can plead the fifth, but you're here to answer questions and you're here under subpoena. Uh, so you can either answer the question or you can plead the fifth. Uh, excuse me. Uh, on behalf this of my client, attorney. we are uh, following the rule of the committee, the rule of the chair with regard to this issue. And this does not call for an answer that is invoking the fifth or any theoretical issue like that. We're following the ruling of the chair. What, Councilor, what ruling is that? Okay. Uh, if I could interject, Council is correct. Whistleblower has the right, statutory right Adam to anonymity. Chief. These proceedings will not be used to out the whistleblower. And, and I've advised my client accordingly, and he's going to follow the ruling of the chair. If there's an alternative or you want to work something out with the chair, that's up to you, Mr. Nunes. Well, we've attempted to subpoena the whistleblower to sit for a deposition uh, the chair has tabled that motion and then has been unwilling to recognize those motions uh, over the last few days of this impeachment inquisition process. Well, that I'll go mm -hmm. to Mr. Castor. Thank you, Ranking Member. Notice Nunes. he uses uh, the word inquisition, the, uh, the and he's absolutely right on this. Um, this is an inquisition where you don't have a right to face your accuser. You don't have a right to know all of the information. This is the intelligence committee. And for the intelligence officers uh, to not answer to the intelligence committee on what was happening in the intelligence community, there is no oversight. It makes, it makes not only the State Department not have to answer to the president of the United States for foreign policy. But now this kind of behavior makes the intelligence community not have to answer to the intelligence committee. Who's responsible for anything anymore? More in just a second. We're talking about the impeachment. There's a lot of things going on uh, today. I want to talk to you a little bit about what happened yesterday with uh, Israel and also Chick-fil-A, uh, which the, they came out and they said they were giving up uh, their charity. A contract uh, ran out with uh, the uh, charity known as the Salvation Army. And the press is spinning this as, a, as, you know, they're just going after the gay chicken money. But we is this right? We have Santa on the phone. Hello. Hello, Santa. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Glenn. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas have to you, Have you been a good boy or girl? Uh, I've been a, a, a boy my whole life there, Santa. Well, that's how I have to ask it now. Have yeah, you been uh, a good boy or girl? Right, okay. I mean, come on, Chick-fil-A. I mean, I've been... You're taking money from the Salvation freaking Army? <laughs> well, it's... I, I'm I, not... Here I am sitting at like 1,200 Walmarts at the same time raising right, money, right. and I got to deal with this crap. Right, right. I mean, right. I'm Santa. I love the gays. Look at right. my suit. <laughs> Super frilly. So Santa loves the gays. <laughs> I put bells on everything. Right. Hello. 
I mean, I got to say, a lot of the streets around here right. were not for the tinsel. They right. said it was over the top. I pushed for it. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. When I got a request from some kid named Stan that wants a Barbie, I don't bring a do-it-yourself gay conversion therapy right. kid instead. That's right. not what I'm doing here. Right. Right. So maybe <sighs> uh, maybe the Salvation Army is uh, is something that... I'm trying to feed people here, homeless people, right. okay. not butch up your toddler. Right. And might I remind you... <laughs> I'm a guy yeah. who is inside your home right. while you're asleep. Right. Okay? I have access to your fireplace. Right. I know when you are sleeping. <laughs> Stop screwing with me. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, an official, uh, official response from Santa about uh, Chick-fil-A distancing themselves from the Salvation Army, which I am not sure that's anything other than spin on what actually happened from Chick-fil-A. We're waiting for a comment from Chick-fil-A. Tinsel is a relatively gay product, though. I will say, I never really thought of it that I, way. No, I, but it kind of is. I still don't think of it that way, but... You're listening to Glenn Beck.